Welcome to the Carefree Black Nerd Podcast, a conversation about representation in comics and related media. I am your host, Rain Coleman, and this week we will be discussing Vampires versus the Bronx. This is a part of the Carefree Black Nerd Blood Sweet series for October, and man oh man, are we in for something fun. What's poppin', y'all? It's your girl Gloria coming at you live. If you see a kid that's riding a bike two sizes too big for him, that's his little man trying to save the neighborhood. And speaking of saving the neighborhood, what's up with all these missing person flyers? Yo, check out the courthouse. They're turning it into apartments? Y'all know how this starts. Them white people with canvas bags? That's always the first sign. Hey, what you doing down here, bro? It's too late to fight back now. We are going to wipe you out like the vermin you are. We got vampires in the Bronx. Nobody gonna care that Slim disappeared. Why? Because he's a gangbanger? Nah, homie. Because he's from the Bronx, like us. There's a lot of things happening in this neighborhood right now. Keep your eyes open. All right. Yo, that was mad vague, dog. What do you uh, do for work? Real estate. Are you seriously out at night when you know there's a couple of vampires running around? We're gonna need some garlic and some wooden steaks, like, right the hell now. Going to the nest and take out every last one of them. One night with you guys and I already have vampires and thugs trying to kill me. Right, y'all. So this movie, wow, this movie, this movie came out in 2020. It hit Netflix in 2020. Let me know if you've watched Vampires vs. the Bronx. Uh, hit me up on that hashtag CBN Pod. Hit me up on that Twitter, Carefree Blurred, and TikTok as well, Carefree Blurred. Man, so y'all, this movie was fun and frustrating. Uh, you already know I am a fan of vampires. I love vampires. I love vampire lore. I love the scientific explanations. I love the societal ramifications. I love pretty much any and everything that has to do with vampires. And this movie was campy and fun. So um, in Vampires vs. the Bronx, a trio of friends discover a sinister plot to destroy their neighborhood. They decide to band together to save their town from vampires. This uh, came out on October 2nd of 2020, and the director is Osmani Rodriguez. Ooh, this name, I have a friend who has his last name. He's Panamanian, and it, I have never been able to say this name correctly, so please, charge it to my head, not my heart. Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Oh, I feel like I said it right that time, but I have constantly butchered that name for the entirety of me and this guy's friendship. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, he was the director. And this movie was very Latin and very black. So I'm not from the Bronx. I'm not from New York. And I so I, I enjoyed the movie, but I don't know if there's some things that are like, eh, no, nah, this ain't it. 
this ain't it they did this wrong or whatnot so i would love if anyone is from the bronx or from new york and has a little bit more intimate insight into the area to let me know if this was like an accurate depiction of the bronx albeit in a supernatural space because of course vampires and monsters and whatnot but the actual overall depiction of the bronx from where i'm sitting as a midwesterner um it seemed pretty cool a lot of it felt like it was uh, paying homage to do the right thing and when i say a lot i don't mean like most of it but there were some parts and now this is where my the cultural element may there may be a breakdown there so the one young guy uh jaden michael plays miguel martinez he's the main character and everyone calls him little mayor and that was something that was um that popped up in do the right thing as well so i wonder if that is a cultural thing or if that is specifically something to do with the bronx because i feel like i've also heard that in reference to young kids in a neighborhood in new york so if you have any insight, please let me know. But I was like, oh, yeah, this feels like it could be the same Bronx as Do the Right Thing. But, you know, again, not a native, so don't really know. Um, but, yeah, it was really good. This was a really campy movie. So I actually started watching this a couple weeks ago. And it's not that it's boring or anything. You know how life can get in the way. And I sat down to rewatch it recently, and I... I enjoyed it. So it's pretty much about a bunch of vampires that try to gentrify the box. And in the midst of doing so, they also spend a lot of time killing people. And it's commentary on gentrification and on the least desirable or least um, protected communities. And I don't know, it just did something to me. So... <laughs> Miguel and his friends Bobby and Louise. Bobby's black. Louise is Latin as well. Um and I like this matchup of like kids, ethnic backgrounds and everything cuz it's not I don't know, it just felt real. It felt natural. It felt like a real story. It didn't feel like um diversity for diversity's sake. And they're dealing with their own set of issues. So Miguel is really fighting, riding, and dying for the uh, for the cause for the, for the community, trying to get this block party together so he could um, raise money to save Tony's bodega. And Bobby is dealing with uh, you know, be just wanting to be a kid, but dealing with the looming threat of being uh, sucked into the criminal life. And then Luis is, I believe, he was from Florida. But visiting back home or visiting New York, the Bronx, for the summer. And his aunt, his older aunt, I don't know if she was his great aunt or his aunt, but she um, she exclusively spoke Spanish in this movie. She didn't have a huge role, but she was in there a few times. Uh, but all these, this was fun because it felt like a lot of the movies where you just have little kids, not say little kids because I'm grown, grown, but these are like, I don't know. 13 14 year old I, I put them at about 13 12 13 maybe 14 12 13 but they are essentially going on this like little adventure over the summer so instead of y'all yeah, want to see a dead body <laughs> or something like that like they're running into vampires and one thing or a couple things this movie showed me is that people do not be listening to kids like i know it's outlandish to think 
oh, there's actual vampires walking around and this little 12-year-old who's screaming about vampires then lost his mind. But, like, this is fiction. So we could substitute that for so many different things. It's like, he came to you thoroughly convinced that there were vampires running around the Bronx. And even if your initial thought is to not believe that, nobody took the time to, like dive a little deeper it's like if i sincerely think that you are out of it and you are wrong and you are i'll just say it crazy or having a mental health crisis why am i not like working on that why am i not working on trying to figure out what is that why is that these people did that boy is so wrong for him to ultimately be right um there are two guys who are, again, uh, back to Do the Right Thing, the two guys where there were three in that movie where they sat against this wall and just kind of talk mess the whole time. And that was, um, Lord, was it, is it Brandon T. Jackson? No, no, I'm sorry, that's Chris Red. Chris Red and Vladimir Kamano. And I feel like I'm saying his last name incorrectly. They played Papo and Andre, respectively. They were the comic relief, and they were actually funny. There were tons of times where they would pop up on screen in passing, and they really added to the story. They really added that comedic element to the story. Well, we open up with this black woman who, uh, what is her name? What did Beyonce call that? Becky. Her name is Becky. And she has a nail salon. And there's this uh, pretty little blonde-haired, blue-eyed white lady that comes in to the shop to get her nails done. She's very chipper, very perky. And they're discussing her having sold her place. And that she's going to be moving out of the Bronx, by whatever, all this money. And then the guy who's the real estate agent who gave who who bought the business from her he shows up and i'm thinking like me watching this separating the fact that it's a movie because i understand this is all fiction it's a scripted and all of that but that aside i was like why would why would your real estate agent show up this late at night like, it was late, late, like 11 o'clock at night. Maybe 9, maybe 9. Either way, why would your real estate agent show up this late? Now, I ain't bought many houses in my life. <laughs> so maybe that's standard practice, but that felt sus to me. And they killed her. That real estate dude killed her and boarded up her property. And so that's essentially their MO, going around, buying properties from folks, but, like, killing them before they can cash the checks. And... Lil McGill notices that this real estate company is buying up all of these properties. Tasha's gone. It was a couple other people like off screen before the movie started where I think this would have happened with them. And then Tony, who's played by Mero, the kid Mero from formerly of Jesus and Mero. And I must be a stan because when I saw him pop up on screen, I, I like made an audible, I had an audible reaction to seeing him on screen. I thought he did really good in this role. And this is a movie that I feel like will definitely be a cult classic um, a few years from now. And kind of in the same way that Vampire in Brooklyn was. Uh, I could definitely see this being something that people revisit and have this, this newfound 
love for and i would love to see that and to see meryl kind of solidified as like you know in this movie in that way much like met the man met the man is also in this movie and mm, let me tell you he's in this movie and also my girl coco is in this movie i'm like god this i i'm low-key kicking myself for not watching it when it first came out in 2020 but like this is a stacked cast you got meryl playing tony you got Met the Man playing Father Jackson. You got Jeremy Harris, who you guys may know him from. Um, oh, what is the X Men series? Um, Professor X's son. Mm, why am I not remembering this? Um, but he played. Oh, and I, the, the character name is kind of odd. Um, Legion, and it is. Is it Namani? What is his name? His name in there is, yeah, I'm going to say this so wrong, Pneumony, I think, P-T-O-N-O-M-Y, but um, that's the same actor, Jeremy Harris, you guys may remember him from Legion. Um, then we had Coco Jones, oh, she's so fine, playing Rita, Chris Red playing Andre, um, now Jaden Michael, he was really a standout in this movie, I can't recall if I've seen him in anything else, um, I think he was Colin Kaepernick in that Colin Kaepernick movie. Oh, The Get Down. Fuck, that makes so much sense. Yes, he was in The Get Down, and I loved that series. That ended too soon and was very queer. Um, but he was in that for sure, and I think he was in the Kaepernick series. But he did his thing. He was so annoying. He was so inquisitive. He really was a leading man in this in this movie, and I think that that was a phenomenal choice. So kudos to him. Gerard Jones the third, who played Bobby, the best friend that was dealing with um, Henny, who is Nemoni, whatever his name is from Legion. Uh, <laughs> he Henny that was his character, and he was the uh, the gang banger, and even that. Let me see, how do I put this? With me not being from the Bronx and not being from New York, the drug gangbanger portion of this movie felt... It felt kind of... I don't want to say lazy, but it almost felt like it wasn't necessary because Billy... well. Henny's role was necessary, I guess, because ultimately when the three boys stole a bag from the vampire nest, the familiar who runs the vampire's business in the daytime employed Henny to get it back. So I guess there's that. But like leading up to that moment, I feel like with Henny's role, you could have easily kept the first couple scenes with him and um, Bobby where they're interacting and as an audience member it looks normal but then when you get to the rest of the cast everybody's expressing that they don't want Bobby dealing with Henny because that is a life of crime so I get that but I don't know it just felt I don't know I guess for me I'm like was it a little too over the top um, 
I'm glad all these black folks got work. All these POCs got work. I'm happy for that. But like that particular role, and but again, I'm not from the Bronx, so I don't know if this is a very prevalent culture or if it's just like this is for TV. So if you are from the Bronx or from New York and this, and you can speak to this either way, let me know. Use the hashtag CBMPod. But for me, it was like, I guess. Mm-hmm. It didn't take me out of the story, and I think that every scene he was in made sense. But also, like, eh, is that necessary? Because what frustrated me is Bobby's mom when she, after the boy stole the information from the familiar, who was the vampire's, um, the vampire's familiar, and she catches them in the room using a, the, um. The flash drive and she assumes they're looking at porn and so she kind of scolds them a bit but then she asks bobby where did you get this hat you got it from henny didn't you and she gets into him like we gotta i gotta get this money from mr whoever but the guy the real estate guy who works for the vampires and I'm like please don't go see him and she's like yeah i gotta get this money so we can get out of the bronx and get you far away from me guys like henny because i don't want you to be like your dad a gangbanger this and that it's like I don't know. <laughs> Again, none of this brought me out of the movie, but I was like, do we need this particular storyline? Especially when there wasn't a lot of violence happening. I don't know. Like, there weren't shootouts. There wasn't anything over this. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to maybe sit with that for a little longer because, like, I'm not asking for there to be more depictions of gang violence in the film to justify Henny's uh, role, but I also, like, Maybe this truly is just real life that I am not privy to now because I'm in a whole entirely different space than when I was a kid. But either way, I thought Bobby, that actor, did a damn good job. And then Louise, let's talk about him. So what I really liked about the group, you had this, you know, similar dynamic that you'll get in a lot of shows. You had the leader of the pack, which was Miguel. You had Bobby, who I would consider the muscle. He was the bigger of of the three kids he was one who was more street savvy and dealing with henny kind of being adjacent to him in my eyes put him as like oh he's the muscle and then you had um gregory diaz the fourth who is played louise acosta he was the brains um he was the one who like knew everything about vampires and that's another thing so for me and I, this happens to me a lot and i have to check myself growing up in the 90s I had a very particular childhood it was pre-internet and post-internet and so i experienced a lot of things before it and without it i went through the growing pains of learning it and then now i've come out on the other side you know with the internet intact but in that time frame of me growing up and becoming an adult other kids have been born and been growing up and they didn't have the same experience as I do. So there are a lot of things culturally. There's a lot of things as far as movies and proper TV shows and whatnot that I've seen and consumed that feels like it should be common knowledge. And I keep having to check myself because like, no, 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 you are of a certain age and grew up at a certain time. And I say that because there is a education about vampires in this film that Luis is able to provide that does not feel like forced heavy exposition. Um, he goes over like weaknesses and patterns and all this stuff. And at first I was like, oh, this is stupid. Why don't like, duh, everybody knows this, but whatever. But these are also children who were probably born like 
2012. <laughs> or like, I don't know, 2019. I don't know how old our kids, whatever. They all look the same. Four years old and 14, whatever. But with Louise going through and explaining the vampire stuff, there was one point where Tony Merrow said something about garlic. And Miguel brushed it off. was like, oh, no, no, that's not real. And then Luis was like, no, it is. This is why. And it got to explain. I was like, this is so cool. This is really cool the way this was folded in. Um, another thing is that we live in a global society more so now than we have before. So there may be some uh, cultural things that people may not know. Like this may be a stretch, maybe not. But if someone is, let's say, 20 and from... I don't know, the Ukraine or like South Korea. And then they moved to America and watched this movie. I know that's extremely random, but that being said, there this education that's provided about vampires through Miguel in this movie, one, didn't feel like just tacked on exposition. Two, was very much like a recap of this is traditionally what, is affiliate associated with vampires and then three it's done in a way that everybody could understand me being grown knowing this stuff already somebody who's maybe foreign not really aware of like i don't know american vampire depictions and then also someone who's young who like is just old enough to watch this movie but have not you know watched a bunch of dracula films and stuff and blackula and whatnot so i thought they did a really good job at kind of Sesame Street and the whole thing in a way that was um, believable. Also, in this universe, Blade exists. Um, not as a real-world thing, but as a movie property. So, that being said, of course, the MCU exists as well. And depending on what year this movie is, like if they're in 2019 or if they're in 2020, they could have already had the full extent of the MCU. <laughs> I know that's something so minor, but that that made me smile. Like they played a lot of clips from Blade, and the key. This this was just really a fun movie. This was truly fun. Um, what is it rated? Let me see, because I don't know. I don't know how to suggest things to people who have children. Because I'm like, yeah, interview with a vampire. Yes, let your six year old watch that. <laughs> So this is rated PG-13, so I guess a 13-year-old? Again, I'm a product of the 90s. We watched rated R and PG-13 stuff when we were children that we had no business watching. Horror stuff and all. So like, I'm like, sure, let them watch it. Give them nightmares. They'll, it'll be his character. <laughs> so no, no, but the casting was phenomenal, and I would love to see these young guys. Um, and, well, everyone in the movie, but these three guys in particular, I would like to see them in things in the future. One thing I did like about Luis, and let me see if I get his age. He's 17, born in 05. Jesus Christ. Um, I liked looking at the body type of the three guys. So they all look like kids. Uh, Miguel, just, you know, regular standard kid, A, alpha kid, whatever. Same with Bobby. He was a little bigger. But with Luis, he was so, like, lanky and awkward in a way that you don't get when you cast a bunch of adults to be teenagers. And I loved that. So, like, man, they look like terrified children. Now, Coco, she's, she stood out. However, girls do get 
you know, bigger or, you know, than boys really quickly and then boys catch up like when they get to uh, high school. But like she was a little older than them. I think she was 16, the character in the movie. So it wasn't that off-putting that she was bigger than them. I was like, mm, Coco, are you not 25? Like, I, I don't know how, I think she's 23. But I was like, mm, you pushing it. But Luis in particular, I was like, okay, this this is this is a kid and you know my mind i generation x is always in the back of my head and i was like man angelo this guy gregory diaz the fourth with his lanky self like i could definitely see him as this awkward lanky and i keep going in there because it's like the only adjective that makes sense in my head right now but to just see him he is so awkward and so we like when Henny the the gangbanger drove by <laughs> he waved at him in this weird kind of like awkward way where you just kind of put your hand up um almost like um like a stop sign and he kind of waved his <laughs> it was just like what are you doing they all really embody these these characters but i think greg did a damn good job at bringing Luis to life and he <laughs> And he was the only one with some sense. He was very much the Velma. Um, there were so many times where he was like, can we just go home? Like, I feel like we got all the proof we need. Uh, there was a moment where Miguel wanted to, they discovered the coffins and wanted to open the coffin. And I was thinking like, Luis, I feel like the fact that you, Miguel, saw a vampire, we did not believe you, you convinced us, and now we're in their lair with a ton of coffins. I feel like that's, enough proof for me that we don't have to take this any further right now like we don't have to and so they open up the um the coffin and then took a video of the vampires they got chased out they happened to get out into the sunlight before the vampires could and there's a follow-up scene where they're like arrested because they ended up um because they stole from the real estate agent and the police brought them to this bodega there's a crowd out there's the um uh, all their parent parental figures and all the girls and kids from the neighborhood, Coco included. And Miguel shows this video and there's no one on the video. And they're like, Coco's like, yeah, vampires have no soul. They um, won't show up on, on cameras and this, this, and that. And even her being folded into the story was so good. And uh, she spoke to being Haitian. Now, I don't know if Coco, the actress, is Haitian or if Rita, the character, is just Haitian. But Miguel and company were like surprised that she believed them. And then she was like, look, I'm Haitian. My grandma had been preparing me for this my whole life, blah, whatever. And I kind of wish we had got a little bit more action in the film. I feel like it was enough. You know, it, they did what they needed to do. But I kind of wanted more. Um, one thing I do like about the movie is that they, they kept the vampire population in the film to five. There were only five. So you could keep track of when, you know, when some of them die, what happens. Also, which this varies from depiction, different iterations of vampires, but I do like that nobody was just turned. There was a process. You had to be, I don't know, inhale this vampire ash and then be bit. Like you can, they don't just bite you and turn you into a vampire. So that's pretty interesting too. And that was firmly established, albeit a little later in the movie but it that still was okay because all of the vampire attacks were them pretty much killing people 
so it wasn't I'm going to turn you I'm just going to kill you and so the vampires just wanted to infiltrate the Bronx where quote unquote nobody cares about these people and then live their life and it to me it seemed uh because I'm thinking if you're the vampire and you, well no I guess okay so I'll go with what I was thinking initially then I'll explain why that's probably wrong I'm thinking okay if you're the vampire you're moving into the Bronx this is less than desirable sought after area people don't care if these people end up missing whatever so you need that food source so why not move in and be discreet like let the Bronx run as it is, but just show up and quote unquote gentrify certain areas of the Bronx and just live your life out regular, like a regular person at nighttime. But just because it felt weird, because it felt like when the guys took the jump drive, the flash drive, and plugged into the computer, it showed that the courthouse downtown was purchased by the vampires and they had plans for, um, 13 floors with nothing but coffins in every floor. So it was like 100-something vampires. I'm like, that still feels weird for you to move in and then just be killing people. Now, I get the killing them after you've bought their property because you want places that are, that's yours. Okay, I get that part, but it just felt like they were like, yeah, we're going to move in and feed my family, quote-unquote, the vampires. So we could just kill all these people who don't nobody care about. Like, that. what? How many people actually live in the Bronx? And then, even if you get everybody in the Bronx, like, are you just going to move to the next borough? Like, what is the end game? That's the thing that was kind of odd to me. Like, I get that you're taking over. I get that you want the food source. And you're not turning people. And you already have plans for all these other coffins to be here. <laughs> What is the end game? Like, New York is not that... Now, New York is densely populated, but New York is not that big. So if you wipe out all the boroughs, what's next? It's just... And that's really my problem with a lot of vampire stories when it comes to them being with humans. I think... Well, True Blood is something... I was going to reference True Blood, but it's kind of its own thing in the way that they handle the lore and, like, vampires and synthetic blood and whatnot. But, like, what are we doing here? I don't know. So, um, I love the elements of being invited in. There were tons of times where the vampires could not come into certain places without being invited and showing how um, Tony, running the bodega, just naturally greeted people. Like, welcome, you know, welcome to blah, whatever, bodega, and come in. And so, by doing that, he welcomed in several vampires. And, I don't know, I just think this was a well-done movie. If you, and I could see PG-13 because there was a lot of killing. There wasn't, there wasn't much blood if I'm remembering correctly. There was like blood makeup on a vampire's face, but there wasn't a lot of humans being decapitated and punctured and blood spilling everywhere. It was very, I'm biting your neck, I release, and there's blood on my face. There wasn't, and there was even like folks being scratched by the vampire claws and like the vampire hand having blood on it but it wasn't gory so i could definitely see this being pg-13 because i could i could see kids watching it and having a good time and it not like blade was more terrifying than this movie but this was a good movie this is, i'll say this is a family film i'll tell you that all in all this was a really good film 
and um, the guy, Mr. Rodriguez, who uh, directed, he also is the one who wrote the screenplay. So kudos to him. Shout out to him. And uh, this, man, talk about a good film. I do think that everyone should watch it if you haven't already, especially if you're a vampire fan or if you're like a fan of those um adventure movies or properties with kids like being the ones to figure stuff out or being the ones to save the day this is very much that um and with my little cynical self i was so nervous that at the end let's uh well spoilers hell this whole episode is spoilers but spoilers spoilers for the end <laughs> if you've made it this far but i was so afraid that we would do like a time jump and then the Bronx was infested with vampires again or some sort of monster and I don't know I was like damn it don't they, they're not gonna win but they did and I liked that a feel-good movie where the kids were the victors after all um I do want to speak to this young girl who was in the film and she was a vlogger and it looked almost like she was on like an Instagram or like a TikTok live and all she did was walk around the neighborhood providing commentary and at one point when the I don't know, vampires were like moving coffins into the the their nest. They weren't the vampires, it had to be their familiars who were doing it. She was like, Oh, what y'all doing it? Because they're they're marketed as condos to the general public, not as a vampire nest. And the young girl was like, Yeah, what y'all moving? They said something about refrigerator. She's like, Oh, this condo gonna be looking nice. I just, just, just like I don't know, is it just me or did his portrayals look like coffins? So it was like little moments like that throughout the film that was just funny as hell. And at the end, she, one thing I, oh my God, I love this. So at the end, that last scene where we're kind of like panning across the block party because it finally happened and the, the four main characters doing their little last bit. And then the camera kind of pulls back as they walk off screen but then the young girl who's been vlogging the whole movie steps into frame and the camera that we're seeing the movie through becomes her vlogging camera and she's like yeah we say them kids saved the day blah whatever and let you know any other uh, monsters coming to the bronx you got run about it something she said was so fucking it was silly but i love that that little detail it felt so fresh it felt I don't know, it was just a nice, like, punctuation on this long, drawn-out story. And I like her role in it, because though it wasn't huge, she was very consistent throughout. She was a beautiful, dark-skinned black girl. Um, I don't know, this is this was really more of a feel-good movie than I realized. Either that, or I am truly a villain. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, this is cute. This is sweet. So if you guys have watched uh, Vampires vs. the Bronx, let me know. And if you are someone who is from the Bronx, from New York, spent time in boroughs, are intimately familiar with it, let me know. Use the hashtag CBMPod and let me know about the depiction of the Bronx in this film. Because, again, we know that it is a fantasy supernatural type event but i would love to know if the bronx was like adequately represented so there was one point at the in the third act where the vampire was about to kill the kids and they were like yeah i, I just want what you want i want to preserve the bronx keep it the way it is uh for me and my family so we could eat because nobody cares about you people it was something to that effect that wasn't it verbatim and then you had it what you say about the bronx and then you get this mob outside and this could be replaced with any other area like the 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 
um, verbiage, if you just change it to like Chicago, nobody cares about Chicago, and then this mob pops up, you would just say about Chicago or Atlanta or whatever else. But I wonder if the depictions of the Bronx in this film were like a love letter to the Bronx or accurately like, oh, yeah, this is kind of sort of what it's like on a random Wednesday in the summer in the Bronx, you know, minus the vampire. So if you are someone who is from New York, been in New York, intimately familiar, let me know. I, I just like to know that. Um, but all in all, really good film. Uh, thought it was great. Everyone did a stellar job. And, you know, even the vampires, like they were, they were so, like the one guy was very funny to me. The first kind of guy vampire we see, he does this whistling thing. And when he made his first kill, I thought we would have gotten more from him and we didn't. And I was kind of sad, but he was talking to another gangbanger who pulled a gun out on him. And he was like, what's up with this outfit? And he was like, oh, this this jacket is such and such Givenchy something something. He was like, I didn't say I liked it. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, I don't know. Maybe I'm just corny, but all in all, I liked the movie. I thought it was pretty good. If you haven't seen it, please check it out. This is the season four. We are in spooky season. And uh, let me know what you think. But that being said, thank you all for listening to me. On the Blood Suite, discussing another vampire movie. I hope you all have a wonderful and amazing October. And keep tuning in to listen to these vampire uh, stories about me gushing for these depictions. (laughs) So, um... Hit me up on Twitter, Carefree Blurred. Same thing on TikTok, Carefree Black Nerd everywhere else. And if you have to, email me at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And um, until next time, guys, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky. And if a child, middle school age, comes to you and lets you know that vampires are gentrifying your neighborhood, take a second and hear them out because you may have to mob up and whoop some vampire butt. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all.